Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thanks right. for the opportunity. Yeah. No, thanks for having us. Hey, we haven't started yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
and I keep trying to find it and I keep approaching the whiskey and it evades me. And that's the new riff, uh, malted rye, the new riff malted rye made my top 100 whiskeys of the year. I actually did very well in that. And I just love that whiskey so much, but I cannot friggin' figure out what this note is. And I tasted it, uh, last year in 2021 and it's been bugging me ever since. So I'm probably through my second bottle trying to figure out what the hell that damn note is. But that's a great, great question coming in from Andrew. That's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Andrew, make sure you hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click the contact button and send me uh, your question. If I like it, I'll read it on the air and do my best to answer it. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof, and the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody, to Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Ryan on the road today, taking all the equipment up to Baltimore to come and visit one of our newest distilling partners that we're, we're working with. But man, alive, we got to go through the warehouse today, taste some fantastic whiskey, and it hasn't made me even more excited to be able to sit down and be able to talk to these guys about it. Yeah, we're walking in. It was funny. We're walking in. Brian's like, I'm sure you've been to many distilleries, and ours is no different. I'm like but we have never been to a Maryland distillery. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm super excited about today. Uh, simple flight for us to come here to Baltimore, Sagamore, you know, who we're hanging, spending the day with has been a 
fantastic partner to work with. We're super excited to be partnered with them for our pursuit bra. So yeah, we came up and decided to visit them instead of them shipping samples to us. We actually got the DeWalt out and tapped into some barrels and gosh, they got some fantastic uh, product coming down the line. So super excited for everyone to get get to know them and see what they're going to have coming down in the future. No, absolutely. I mean, I think not only that, I mean, we got to hear more about the history of Sagamore. We got to learn more about the history of Baltimore and Maryland, Ryan. I think that's kind of what made us so excited to be actually starting on this partnership as well, is that there is a, there's a huge history and lineage between Maryland and Rye and as well as Kentucky and us kind of bringing that handshake together. But really this is going to be focused more on, on Sagamore and really being able to give them more of a showcase because I feel like this is one of the best, if not the one of better or not one of the best rye whiskeys that we've been able to try on the market in the past few years that we've just been absolutely blown away with. Yeah. I mean, we've been spending the day here. Gosh, we've been here. I don't know, eight hours, maybe six, seven hours. I wish we had a boom mic following us all day, just getting all the stories and all that. And now we get down, sit down to record. Hopefully they've all, Hopefully all the stories we, we can remember out. all. And I'll be like, what, what, what'd you say? Yeah. Like that one time that, you know, you had a, a pipe go into a corn bushel or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Who knows if we'll get back to that story, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they, they've had, like I said, we'll, we'll get into it. You know, they've, they've had a, a, a great lineage. They've got some uh, pretty recognizable funding that kind of came behind it. And so I think those are things that we're all going to kind of touch on and, and definitely talk yeah, about. And why is it rye only? Yeah, and why is it rye only? Um, we'll talk about Larry and the touch of like MGP and kind of how they're shifting off of MGP. I think there's a, there's a lot of good things to touch on this one. We can fill 45 minutes. Let's no problem. It. Let's do it. Let's do it. So today on the show, we have Brian Tracy. He is the CEO of Sagamore Spirit, as well as Ryan Norwood, the director of operations. So fellas, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. So you heard Brian first and then you heard Ryan second there. So kind of before we get into this, uh, you know, Ryan, we're going to come to you here in a, in a few minutes because you bring the science and really the the brewing knowledge and some other things. But Brian has a, a pretty fascinating tale about how he got to this point. But I want to kind of talk about that uh, because we were in the car earlier and you were saying that you you kind of bummed around in Tahoe for a few years and tried to kind of make your way. So kind of give us a little bit of background. Yeah, definitely one of the more unique uh, paths to uh, becoming a CEO of a distillery. CEO <laughs> of, a, of a massive, you know, operation here. So kind of tell us your story a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that's, um, it's, it is different. And I, I could see the look on your faces today. It did catch you off guard a little bit. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of times people say, you know, you must be from the industry. Where did you work before? Was it makers or whatever the case may be? And uh, I think people are often caught off guard when I say, you know, I, I'm not from the industry originally. And, you know, I, as a matter of fact, you know, I think you said, Ryan, earlier is like, uh, what else have you been the CEO of? And I said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't mean to, I didn't mean that in an insulting way. I was just just asking questions. <laughs> yeah. And it looked like you're like, why don't you pull over now? We're going to head back to Louisville. Yeah. He's going to kick us out in Baltimore. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I, I did I, a little bit different. So, uh, you know, when I graduated high school, I moved out West. Uh, I didn't start college right away. It wasn't really something for me at the time and moved out West. And, and I lived in uh, Lake Tahoe and Breckenridge and Telluride and Steamboat and, and bounced around for a little while and did a little skiing and, and then eventually settled down in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, where I lived for 19 years and I did go to college at that point. And when I got out of college, I, uh, I decided to go get a job at accounting for spider ski clothing up in Boulder, Colorado. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm a college graduate now. 
it's it's time to grow up and, and go do the right thing. And I went up and did that for a few months and I was like- Spider's a pretty big name, especially you're going to the skiing side. I mean, that must've been a pretty th pretty big thing. Like you're a ski bum and you get a job with Spider. I'd be like, this is amazing. It's like Spider and North Face and Patagonia. Like those are the three big names that come to my mind. It, 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 they were. It's a great company, really good people. And But I realized I was like, I'm not so sure I want to be at a desk all the time. So I'd been spending so much time outside. And, and so at that point, I used that opportunity. I'd written a business plan in, in college about starting a tour company. And so moved back to Flagstaff and actually started a tour company and ran a backpacking and kayaking company in the Grand Canyon and Yosemite and all throughout the Southwest for about 15 years. And also owned a outdoor retail shop with a partner of mine and and a ski rental shop and so forth. So I did that. And so I really kind of got brought into it for the entrepreneurial side, like, you know, taking a vision, taking a concept and bringing it to life, if you will. Certainly not for my skill set and distilling or anything along those lines by any means. So I quickly ran out and found two amazing people to work alongside with. And uh, one was Larry Eversold and the second one was this guy, Ryan Norwood. So. Well, I, I want to kind of rewind a little bit because I think you you kind of passed over a few hurdles here, a few few big <laughs> monumental things. Because uh, so Kevin Plank, he's like one of the founders of, of Under Armour. How did you two cross paths and and he reach out to you and tap you to be CEO? Like, how did that all come about? Yeah, so I went to high school with Kevin Plank, and so I, I knew him from back then. And then we have another investor as well, uh, Bill McDermott. And I actually went to middle school with him. And so I'd been talking to Kevin, you know. It's all about who you know. It is a little. Life is a little <laughs> bit about who you know. I'm not going to lie. And this industry isn't too different in some ways, oh, too. Yeah. You know, and uh, we'd, we'd been talking a little bit back and forth. But, you know, you know, maybe come work at Under Armour. And I said, I don't know. But if you ever had something like that was really interesting and really unique and something different, I would be open to hearing what that was. And Kevin and Bill had been talking about a distillery this is 2010. They've been talking about doing a distillery for a little while, maybe 2011. And I thought they would never do that. You know, <laughs> they, they, they have real jobs. And, uh, and then one day they, I got a phone call early February, like late February, early in the morning. And it was, it was a 410 number. And I'm like, I only know one guy, 410, that's Baltimore. Uh, but he wouldn't be calling me. And sure enough, it's him. And he's like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this distillery thing. And uh, I was like, well, that's great. Congrats. You know, you should go do that. That's going to be awesome. He's like, no, no. Hey, why are you calling me? <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, no. When I say we're doing it, like you're doing it. And he's like, so uh, why don't you sell your businesses and move back East and, uh, and help us get this thing off the ground. And uh, at that point I said, well, I should probably learn a little bit more about really this business before I fully commit, but I'm, I'm certainly interested. Yeah, what did you even know about yeah, distilling bills in? Nothing, nothing, nothing yes. at all. And so I was like, yeah, well, why don't I, uh, you know, why don't I fly back? This is the end of February, as I said, and I, I had a friend getting married uh, St. Patrick's Day. So I was like, I'll be back, you know, March 15th. And uh, he's like, no, I'll see you Friday. And so I was like, all right, I'll see you Friday. And I should have learned this guy likes to move pretty fast and uh, flew back and I had no idea, even growing up in Maryland, that we had that kind of history of distilling here. And, and they kind of shared for me this vision of the history that we had here and the fact that this brand, this identity of Maryland-style rye could live on for decades without actually anybody in Maryland actually doing it. You know, there are some brands outside of Maryland, um, obviously Heaven Hill, Pikesville Rye, and uh, Leopold Brothers and a few others, which was great. And it just spoke volumes about how well-respected it was that somebody could these other brands were doing it, but no one in Maryland was doing it. And we just saw that as a really unique opportunity, a really unique space. 
Um, and so I, I just thought it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I couldn't resist and absolutely went back and I was like, now I got to sell it to the wife and kids. And luckily they were very supportive. And, you know, I sold my business to the first guy, I, one of the first people I ever hired and he's still running strong with it, which is really cool. What business was it by the way? It's called Four Season Guides based in Flagstaff, Arizona. So if, if you want to go see the bottom of the Grand Canyon or top of Half Dome or anything, give them a call. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we moved back and it was, um, it's been an amazing experience, you know, taking concept from, we don't have a product, so what's that product going to be, to we didn't have a bottle, to we didn't have a distillery, we didn't have anything, go to market strategy or anything along those lines. Yep. And, but, you know, first thing you do is just surround yourself with really smart people. So what did Kevin like about the distilling business that he was like, all right, I, this is something I want to go down. Not, I know, I know you said about the history, but what, what else was there that he was like, all right, this is something I want to add to my portfolio or just, you know, go down this venture. You know, he's an entrepreneur by heart and loves Maryland and loves the city of Baltimore. You know, when Under Armour started becoming something, he had not, a lot of people say, well, it's time for you to move. You got to relocate Under Armour to Portland. And he's like, why? I love, I love Maryland. I love, I love Baltimore. You know, and it's kind of like this really nice, like this great, like blue collar town. And, you know, it's just like, I love that. I don't need to relocate. And I think, you know, the idea of another great industry coming to our city and, and just giving people one more reason to come visit this great city and, and learn about all the wonderful things that go on here was really kind of what motivated him. And it loves manufacturing, loves job creation, and uh, just loves just kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. What was that like initial vision that like he, he was speaking to you and you were like, okay, this is something I want to go. Like what, what was that? <laughs> it's a little different than where we are today. It was, um, it was, yeah, originally, this looks like it was very well thought out. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we sat on it for a while. We were originally going to be a 500 gallon pot still. And, uh, as you saw today, we're a 24 inch column still with uh, a 9,6500 gallon fermenter. So it evolved a little bit, but, um, you know, that's okay. That's what businesses do. And especially these businesses, they take a long time to kind of bring to light and get off the ground. And, and, you know, we really kind of thought long and hard about like, we want to create, you know, build off the legacy here in Maryland. And to do that, we got to put a stake in the ground and this distillery kind of does that for us. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, one of the things that I think about moving into this business compared to your last business, I remember you talking about, um, there's probably a little bit least or less amount of casualties that you had said that you have to deal with <laughs> in this business. Yeah. You know, I love what I did before, but, uh, and, and I look at what we did before with guiding is not that different than the business I'm in today. And the fact that it's really about hospitality and creating an experience for someone. So whether we create an experience for you in the, in the back country of the Grand Canyon, can we create you an experience here on our campus here in Baltimore or an experience in a glass that you remember and, and something positive that you do with friends. And a lot of that was, you know, what we provided for folks in the back country of the Grand Canyon or Yosemite. However, um, there was definitely inherent risks. Um, you were completely exposed to the elements. It wasn't a very controlled environment. And uh, was one of the few guide services that didn't have some catastrophic injuries. Like you get a, get a, the whiteboard. It says like race at zero days back to deaths on the on the trail today. <laughs> we we have a very good record, and I was like, I'm getting out of this while I'm ahead. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So he's convinced you. You're like, all right, I'm in. Who's the first call you make when you're going down this path of starting a distillery? Well, I got handed off this pile. I came in and I got handed off this pile of paper that was just you know, folder after folder after folder, because Bill had been doing research for about a year. He's like, here you go. And he's like, and, 
and it, here's a bunch of numbers. Start calling to introduce yourself to this guy and this guy and this guy. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, hey, I'm Brian. <laughs> you know, like I was Brian told to Baltimore. Yeah, I was, got here from Arizona. I used to, yeah, I, I used to do canoe trips. I was told now, <laughs> now we're now we're sitting here yeah. making whiskey. Yeah, exactly. So I'll never forget. It was this was the summer of uh, July of 2013. There was like uh, the guys at Vendome were like, yeah, you want to talk to this guy, Larry Ebersold. And uh, so I I flew down to Kentucky and met him at the Jim Bean Distillery, and then he and I spent the day touring different distilleries that day. And uh, he's an amazing person, an amazing individual, and has, I think, I think, well, I haven't met a lot of people, but a tremendous amount of knowledge, and I call him the godfather of rye whiskey. He's distilled more rye whiskey, I think, than probably most people in this world, if not everyone in this world for the most part. And But I don't know if he was trying to test me that day, which I kind of think Knowing Larry, there was some testing going on there. And I remember him on the backcountry uh, roads of Kentucky passing in some solid double yellow lines around <laughs> windy turns. And like me just kind of was like, I was white knuckling it. I did some just, fun things in the Grand Canyon, but like, this is, this is cool. Grab, like grabbing those old shit handles. <laughs> kind of just saying like, if you're going to get in this business, you better be ready to buckle up and go for a hell of a ride kind of thing. And I, I think that was the first test. And I guess I passed and I was like, so got back to the uh, Jim Bean distillery. I was like, well, do you want to work with us? You know, and uh, luckily he said yes. And he was on the project. I mean, he's still part of the project today. We're really, really lucky. And, you know, we'll send samples to him. And he was an incredibly important part of getting this distillery operational and our product where we are today. And I can't thank him enough for everything he did for us. And so we're very fortunate. But, you know, this from concept to, to actually operational is over three years. I mean, it, it takes forever to get these things off the ground and they don't come with instructions. So you, you need a Larry, you know, <laughs> you need a Larry, you gotta, you gotta get on the waiting list for Vendome. Yeah, there's no like franchise blueprint, you know, <laughs> that you can, here's a distillery, you know, here you go. Just plug and play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a tough one. So let's go ahead and kind of shift a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll come back over to the kind of like ground up building because at what point did you call on Ryan? How did this, how did Ryan start coming to the picture here? Hmm. When was your first date? <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. It was in Louisville. Um, I feel like, like Louisville is the center for all, even us, you know, to get this business off the ground. So it was kind of whiskey funny. matchmaking. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you, you go around, you're like, it's just like, I'm like, all right, you know, we, we got to go hire someone. And someone told me in the beginning, the first thing you need to do is hire a master distiller and come to find out that that wasn't probably the, the right move. And, and luckily that didn't really happen for us. And, um, we needed somebody who just really understanding process engineering and the whole the whole process of whiskey making itself. And so that's where Larry was great. And we tried to hire people out of Kentucky. And it's one of these things like, we got this great concept. We need you to move. And then like, we need you to move to Baltimore and click. Kind of <laughs> like, you know, they just hang up on you and you don't have a distillery up out of the ground yet. You're just showing them blueprints. So no one's interested in that. And Ron, look at Ryan. Like he's such a sucker. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> he is. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Bill McDermott, as I mentioned, one of the investors is like, I got this brother-in-law who looks at yeast strains all day long for this brewery out in Colorado. <laughs> should we give him a call? It's like, yes, yes, we should. And uh, he'll talk to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, absolutely. I was like, let's, I want to meet. And so well, I'm going to Louisville for something. I was like, contact around. I was like, why don't you fly to Louisville? And we got talking on the phone and we had a lot of similar tastes in music. And uh, one of our particular favorite brands was playing at the Louisville Palace Theater that night. And I was like, well, let's go get some drinks and let's go see some music. And pretty much playing uh, widespread panic. Oh, nice. And uh, Jam band fans. Yeah. Yeah, man. And we walked out and we're like, same music, 
same attitude. I think this works. Now I just got to figure out how to get the guy I don't to move know from Colorado. Know, I don't know if you know yeast, but you like widespread panic. <laughs> you like panic, you're in. Yeah. The other stuff we'll figure out, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and I don't know. You, you you tell the story, but I don't know. It's just, you just have a great attitude, great knowledge, and um, is actually a really great leader too and, and uh, for the team as well. And just um, very humble, but uh, one, of the, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Yeah, well, that's quite the, yeah. yeah. That's quite the introduction right. to start leading I'm off. Like, of. I'm handing this off. Yeah, it's like, your turn. Your turn, Ryan. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he he makes that day sound a little bit easier than what it was from my standpoint, at least. <laughs> um, but no, no, I I went to school for microbiology. Um, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Um, doing that, I kind of thought medicine at one point, maybe pharmaceuticals. And then it was, I think it was my junior year in college. I got this email about an internship you've all been waiting for. And it was an internship at New Belgium Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado, which I was going to Colorado State in Fort Collins. Because anybody out of college, you're like, work in beer? Absolutely. Oh, gosh. I mean, it was like I instantly became like the best friend of everybody. Um, I applied for that internship. I got it. It was supposed to be a six-month internship. And uh, I spent 10 years there and and kind of worked my way up and, and was helping to manage yeast and fermentations there. And Bill was constantly talking about starting this distillery and, you know, he'd, he'd send me water samples. I think I can't tell you how many times I explained the process of fermentation to him and yeast. And he'd call me up and what'd you say about yeast the other day? And I'm like, what is he really going to do this? And, and at the time, like Brian said, he was talking about a 500 gallon pot still. And I'm like, oh, you'll be able to do this. You can handle this. You know, I, I did a little bit of distilling, um, in the backyard at home. And so I, I had a good understanding of a lot of that stuff. And, and then it wasn't until Brian actually called me and, and he and I sat and chatted probably for an hour the first time he called and, and he didn't ask me one question about fermentation, one question about yeast. It was more so like, who are you? You know, where, where are you from? What makes you who you are? We chatted a lot. We had a lot of things in common. And then that's when we set up this Kentucky trip and I had no idea what I was getting myself into and flew to Kentucky and all of a sudden I'm meeting Larry for the first time and uh, Jim Moorhead as well. And I remember, I think we spent about eight hours touring around distilleries while they peppered me with questions. And Larry's the type of person that he'll he'll ask you a question and whether you're right or wrong, he just stares at you. <laughs> so you feel like you're wrong? Oh, every time. And, and, and he's like, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? And, you know, I think I was wearing a denim shirt and I was sweating through this denim shirt and like spent the entire day and I got done and I was like, pretty sure I answered every one of his questions wrong. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going to go back and like lick my wounds. And, and then that's when he looked at me and he goes, we're going to this panic show. And, and I think at that point he kind of said like, you know, all things aside, like, I think you'd be great for this company. I, I going to offer you a job. Um, let's not think about that stuff right now. Let's go enjoy ourselves and, and have a whiskey. And I remember we had a whiskey at the bar and, and then walked down and went to the show. And, and that, that to me was like, what, what would pull me away from Colorado. I really enjoyed what I was doing. I, I called it a great state, but at the same time, it was like, I was kind of itching for something new and, and to kind of take that next step and, and challenge myself. And, and Sagamore was a great spot for me to be able to do that. So for the, those that don't know, walk us through like what's the difference of being a brewer versus a distiller. And before we get to there, just to make sure our listeners know who Larry Ebersold is, if you've never heard of him, he is also considered one of the greats in American whiskey oh, yeah. distilling previous. Well, I think he was a previous master distiller at MGP, which is what Seagram's and stuff like that. So he's got a lot, a lot of clout in the whiskey world. So yes. we're, we're name dropping over here just to make sure everybody that that understands where this name comes from. Yeah, thank you for clearing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Master distiller at MGP LDI, twenty five years, and and Pernod Ricard, and I think you know he he's at a few other distilleries as well, and he he's is, had his hand in so many. Yeah, you can probably yeah. count them all. Yeah, and uh, he's he's incredibly he 
he definitely runs a tough interview, um, which is fine. I just got to sit on the sides like, that's great. Good go. Just you waiting know? for this panic show to start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, um, you know, we're just, I feel so lucky to have met him and worked closely with him and have had him on this project. It's, it's been incredible. And then, you know, I think uh, getting Ryan here, I think we all know this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity here at Sagamore too, um, you know, here in Maryland and get Maryland back on the map uh, in its rightful place in distilling. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, back to what you were wanting to say, Ryan. Or- yes. Yeah. So what is the difference of being a brewer to a distiller? What What is the difference there? You know, I mean, aside from a lot of nuanced differences, it's it's very similar. You know, from from a distilling standpoint, everything's done on grain. Where brewing, you remove the grain, but the first seventy five percent of distilling is brewing. You're making a distiller's beer. You're trying to take this grain, extract sugar out of it, and and then put yeast on it to to make alcohol and CO two. And so that that process was very similar. You know, there's some small changes within fermentation process and and the cleanliness of it that I've struggled to wrap my head around from a distilling side, uh, just knowing that like you're going to just remove that alcohol and you're not looking for a lot of those other flavors. But the the biggest challenge for me and and the hardest thing for me is is has to be the patience you have to have in in distilling whiskey. Is like you know when you make a beer two weeks later you have that finished product and you're tasting it and you're out there and you're receiving feedback where when you're making whiskey from our standpoint, you're, you're waiting four years and you're just hoping that it's getting better and and heading in that right direction. But that's been a a bit of a challenge for me to like really practice my patience. No immediate feedback. I guess the, the good thing is, is that you have job security for a little bit for at least three to four years. Like be like, Hey, don't worry. It tastes like shit now, but wait, give me me, me three more years. years." Totally. Totally. I designed it that way. It really, it really takes a turn year four. Trust me. And so you're, well, so you all were sourcing, obviously, for, from the beginning, from MGP, uh, going down that path, but you decided that you wanted to make your own. And so talk about like working with Larry and like developing your own style or profile that you were kind of looking for for your Maryland ride, but say you're flagging the ground. This is us. What what were you all looking to do? Yeah, we were, um, as you mentioned, it was one of these things where, you know, for us and our business plan and our approach, it just made sense that we worked with MGP. We had Larry, he had his connections and so forth there. We thought, let's get started with rye on day one and not necessarily a clear spirit or anything. Not that that's wrong, but we just felt with the history of distilling in Maryland with rye, that was a great place for us to start. And then Larry had his connections at MGP and we didn't necessarily want to start with a 95.5, just say there was obviously a lot of that on the market. Um, We wanted to work with them also on something that would be a little bit different. And we really liked this idea working with Larry that we ended up going with two different mash bills. And so we did everything instead of really even sourcing, we didn't ever buy anything aged. We submitted POs and everything was distilled to our, our POs. And so uh, in hindsight, maybe we should have bought some with age and gotten out a little sooner, <laughs> but like, well, um, so were you, were you submitting POs with 95.5 or was it 95.5 and then one with a 51% rye. And so we always distilled basically two um, straight rye mash bills. And we brought that in house. Um, we've tweaked it just a little bit. I mean, ever so slightly. Uh, but we love that idea. So every product that we have has a blend of those two straight ryes. And so as you know, with that 95.5, you get a lot of that big, bold rye spice that you kind of expect from almost 100% rye mash bill. And then that barely legal rye with a lot of corn and a little bit of malt in there 
gives it a really nice balance of like the fruity and floralnesses that we love and to kind of associate with some of the Maryland rise and a little bit more approachable, balanced, layered, um, yet can be have some comple complexities to it, which we like. So every product we have has a blend of two straight rise. It's never just one mash bill in a bottle. And really working closely with Larry, understanding that we can have a lot of flexibility down the road on whether it's a limited time offering underneath our reserve series um, or even like in our double oak, we'll change up the the blend of the two straight rise compared to our cask and our signature rye. So, so are those 50, 50 or uh, the, the traditional or the cask and, or you don't have to tell us, but maybe you want to, I don't know. No, <laughs> they're, looking, they're looking at each other yeah. like, Oh no, no. What are we getting ourselves into this time? <laughs> Not at all. No, it's, 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 well, I'll let you speak to it. You, you're the one blending. There we go. Today. So here's, like, yeah, like <laughs> tap, it, dance, tap uh, dancing just started around here. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> well, on the, 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 the cask and the, the signature, I always say for like every two, basically of the high, we dump one of the low and, and the, for the double oak, we, we dump more of the low, but still it's majority 95.5. It's over 50%, but not much. Gotcha. So Ryan, I'll ask you a question. Why do you think that distillers always go with 95.5? Why does it seem to be like that is like the magic ratio that people go with? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So Ryan, I'll ask you a question. Why do you think that distillers always go with 95.5. Why does it seem to be like that is like the magic ratio that people go with? I don't know. I've tried to figure that out myself. And, and I think, you know, some of that is 95.5 is a tough one to, to cook and make from, from our standpoint. Uh, so rye has a lot of what we call beta glucans, which makes it real sticky and viscous once you start to cook that cooking process. And so I think when sometimes distillers are thinking, if I'm going to do this, I'm going all in. Like I'm, I'm going to be able to make this. I want it to be, they want those big, bold flavors or they want to be able to like, you know, punch you in the mouth with rye. And, and I think that that's where we found this balance of these two different mash bills to be able to say, Hey, you know, and from, from our experience, we see that rye ages a little bit 
quicker or matures a little bit quicker and, and does not have some of those green notes that you see when you have corn in, in that mash bill. And so that allows us to have something that's moving along a little bit faster and then to kind of balance it out. And so, you know, what Brian was saying is, is a lot of times we're doing that blend to a flavor profile. You know, we're, we're shooting for somewhere in that 80 to, to 90% high rye and then, and then the rest on that low rye side, but it's, it's part of our process of, of tasting, of evaluating the spirit of, of going through and doing our sensory on it and saying, this is what we like out of it, you know, is, and that's what we believe is that Maryland style rise, you know, you've tasted those, uh, Pennsylvania rise or those empire rise that, that are really kind of heavy spice. And ours is a lot more subtle, a little bit more balanced. And, and, and I think that corn component and that blending of those two straight rye mash bills helps to build that flavor profile. So. Yeah. And one of the things I think we also learned about earlier is when you're taking us through the, the, the grain room and stuff, like that 5% of malted barley isn't really much for flavor. No, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's an enzyme. It's to help, uh, to help chomp up those big kind of complex carbohydrates into digestible sugars for the yeast. Um, we have played around with some other malts and trying to get different flavors out of it and, and upping that malt character. And we've, and we've got some fun little R and D projects that we've got going with that. But yeah, for, for our main, uh, mash bills, we use 5% of that malted barley and it, it is just to help with the enzymes. So when you're bringing it in house and you're going from someone contract distillation, you know, you're to your specs, are you trying to recreate what they're making for you? Or are you trying to make like your own like version of it? That's resemblance, but it's not like exact or it, talk it, about your, how you want to think about that transitioning from someone's contract to yours distillation it's a little bit of both i mean you know when when we when larry was kind of coaching us through this it was kind of like these are best practices this is how i would recommend that you start things up but then he's just like once i'm out of here you can change things you can all, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah totally burn it to the ground if you want but care. but we but we knew we knew that there you know there's a reason that they do it this way there's a reason that these are chosen mash bills and and so we tried to to emulate a lot of that we we got the same yeast strain we were dealing with some of the same grain brokers um to help start that but you know we have a, a different microflora here. We have different, you know, bacteria that grow around here that are going to change and, and alter those flavors. And, and we, you know, use a lot smaller batches than, than MGP does. And, and I think you see that. And I think you guys saw that today as we tasted through some of these, those, those small changes, like there's still those, you know, recognizable 95, five spices and flavor profiles, but there's so much else going on with our system and with what we've got going in, in here in Baltimore. So. So kind of talk about that, that evolution as well, because you are contract distilling at MGP. You have plans to build a distillery here. You had the, the original still. And then at some point, did you laugh at it and go, what the hell are we thinking? Like, we, we can't keep up with demand or we can't figure out like, like this is, this is a toy now. Like we've got to, we've got to really amp it up. Like what was that process of thinking? Like, how do we go to that next level? These things take so long to, or is, or is that like going to Kevin and go like, buddy, we're going to need some more money. No. <laughs> no, no. It, 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 if you really want to be serious, yeah. we need some more money. And that's the thing is this is a very much a real business with real goals and real expectations and real for real outcomes. And, you know, we just learned a lot as, as I've mentioned, obviously not being from the industry, just really learned a lot as quickly as possible and just thought, how much do you want to really make someday down the road? And what exactly do you want to make? And then you back out of it. And then we ended up basically here where we are now. And as time goes on, you kept hearing when I was starting this out about craft distiller after craft distiller building and then turning around, shutting down and 
upping capacity, upping capacity constantly. And so we were just fortunate enough as time went on, you know, this, this location we're at today is, which I love and feel very thankful for this. This is about our fifth location. So as you bounce around and you bounce around and, and time goes on, you're just like, this hurts. This hurts, <laughs> yeah. and I'm ready to get going. And you kind of like whether you move a mile or a thousand miles, <laughs> moving sucks. It's brutal. And and so by the time we've got this location and everything approved, we're like, all right, we're only going to do this once now. Let's let's up the capacity. And so um, so from day one, we were lucky enough to ha- drop that that forty foot twenty four inch column still in, and then we have the two hundred and fifty gallon pot still batch system for um, some smaller projects, um, which is great as well. So we have a few few uh, tools to work with, if you will. So Bob, rye whiskey only. Now we know Maryland's heritage and all that, but you have a still, you can do a lot of things. Why, why rye whiskey? No bourbon, no you know American whiskey? We've only been at it for, this is year five. And so you, you know we don't have a master distiller. We don't think we've mastered anything. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to claim anything. Like we kind of want to make one thing for a long time and try and get really, really great at it. And just that pursuit of excellence and just saying like it was, you know, Maryland did make rye whiskey. Maryland was known for great rye whiskey and, and rye whiskey is an amazing whiskey. And in some ways we think it's the original American whiskey. And so we, we just, we're laser focused on that. We get worried about trying to do too many things at once and then never really perfecting anything. And so it's, you know, we've got a long road ahead of us. This is day, you know, year five of hopefully hundred plus year business, you know, that will be here long after me. And, and, uh, I think we just want to stay laser focused on quality and, and learn as much as possible and, and turn out what is really hopefully be one of the best rye whiskeys on the market. And so we're just now getting to the point where our mar- our product will start going into the bottle. So it's kind of baby steps. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that, that kind of intrigued me a little bit earlier when we were talking, you were mentioning how, you had a, a, a notable recognition in a, a local article or it was another national article and, and the word Under Armour was never mentioned. You're like, we got here like under our own, you know, guys and our own will. It wasn't, you know, just because we're backed by Under Armour. Like, what does it mean to you to try to help maybe, I don't want to say remove that stigma because it still is very much connected to it, but, you know, you want to kind of also make a name for yourself too. A- absolutely. Um, and and we're not owned by Under Armour. I want to make that clear. <laughs> okay, sorry. Not owned. It's uh, it's, it's we'll, we'll say, we'll say yeah. there's there's some money that kind of flown in from so, different places. Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, again, just Kevin being an entrepreneur, and I think you know in the beginning, I th- and I don't blame outlets and media and so forth. Probably heard, oh, here's somebody starting a whiskey company, MGP. Yeah, I think I know how this is going to finish. And um, hopefully, with you guys' visit today, you can kind of you know realize that this is. Yeah, this, this is, is a, a serious business. It's uh, not just a hobby. <laughs> yeah, this is not a hobby, and we're taking this incredibly serious. And like I said, we have real goals and and um, real expectations of our outcome. You know, that's incredibly important to us. And and that we have an amazing team of people here, and it takes a team. Again, that's kind of why we don't have a master distiller. I think everybody brings value. Everybody plays an incredibly important role. If you walked around today, if you notice the door said teammates only or whatever, everybody plays a role. And I, I just want to see the team get the credit for that. And understandably, and so I, I think when writers put things out there, there's certain words that Google will pick up a lot, on a lot faster than 
than Brian Tracy. Um, hey, hey, I mean, that's, there's, there's somebody that's that, sexier to me. There's somebody that sold a company that used to go do, you know, Grand Canyon travel. I mean, that's that's big news too. Yeah, yeah. zero does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mom maybe, but after that, I don't know. And so, so, but yeah, you know, every article in the beginning was written and started a certain way with certain names and certain buzzwords. And and now we're starting to see articles that just say, you know, Sagamore Spirit and and talk about just the team and the products and what we're doing. And we're like, it's it's working. We're getting somewhere, you know, and that's that's incredibly important to us. And and I joke around like we're not owned by an R and you know, they're a publicly traded company that's into sports and health and 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 fitness and and we're a privately the, owned uh, company and exact that's opposite. Something. Yeah, kind of. And so it's just like they, they definitely, uh, the Heisman's probably appropriate for us. They give us the Heisman, but it works. Right. <laughs> so with, been, after being here today, it's it's been a fantastic day. One of the more impressive facilities I've been to. But one thing that that I've like come away with is, and you talked about earlier, is hospitality. And everybody here has been so personable and welcoming. And and I don't think it's just because it's a, you know, we're here. but uh, where does that come from? Is that like, what is your vision for this company? Aside from whiskey as the CEO, what are you trying to empower your people with? I mean, I th- you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're not Sagamore Spirits. We're Sagamore Spirit. We think this is something that's bigger. There's a reason we put our distillery in the middle of the city. There's a reason we're working with local farmers. I think there's more than just making whiskey here. And I, and again, and I, I think um, it's incredibly important that we give back to the communities and that we don't just park our distillery in the middle of a community and take. And so like we're laser focused on, on making sure that we're part of this community. We give back, we're welcomed by the community. The community is welcome here anytime to hang out on our lawns, you know, sit on the waterfront, use our Wi-Fi. You know, people don't have to come here to do a tour or spend money. They could just sit in the Adirondack chairs and enjoy the view. Like, don't go to Starbucks. Like, yeah. come here. Come get a here. drink of whiskey and the yeah. Wi-Fi and you're good, right? Yeah. That's, God damn, that's a good tagline. Whiskey <laughs> and Wi-Fi. <you> know? <laughs> whiskey <laughs> might be onto something there. Um, and it's just... Um, I think hospitality is incredibly important. I mean, I, it, it's, there's a lot of competition out there and, and, and a lot of good brands, but what separates you? There's some small little differences at the end of the day will, will separate you. And I think the people here is a big part of that. I think our people are absolutely incredible. And I think that will be something that defines us and separates us from a lot of brands is that hospitality, that experience that we can provide you and that we we try to give back and try and be part of something. And, you know, it took a lot to just get the distillery op- operational. So we're just now kind of getting our sea legs underneath us. And like, now we can actually get out in the, dist- the community and be part of it. And, you know, I know every distillery did it last year, but one of the big things is, you know, working with over 11 different hospitals and 150 different organizations and making hand sanitizer here last year and working with the team at Johns Hopkins to help them out. And that felt good. And we just want to do more and more things like that. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, we always end it kind of a little bit. It's whiskey. Have fun with it in a responsible manner. Um, but uh, just like a CEO, yeah. <laughs> it's just, but it is. It's it's. Um, this is bigger than just whiskey, and this is a great city we live in. And we chose to put our distillery in the middle of Baltimore for a reason, and not out by our farm, Sagamore Farm, because we want people to have one more reason to come discover the great things here and realize that there's that show that um, I've actually never watched, but apparently is quite popular, is is not necessarily the way the Baltimore wire. is. The Wire. <laughs> the Wire.
let's go ahead and put it out there. So yeah. anybody that wants to watch it, but yeah, right, you know, coming you, here, it's not like the wire. It's, not, it's much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had mentioned earlier, they only make one product. They actually make a few different products because they've got all their finished products as yes. well. And I mean, that's what, so we actually poured a little bit of the cognac finish before we started here, which was honestly one of our, our favorites. Holy cow. That's that are, one of the, you know, usually when you're finished and something, it's like, okay, what are you up to? And we went through your all. What are you trying? What are you trying to hide? Yeah, that's and what we usually say. Exactly. And my gosh, this cognac fish might be one of the better finished barrel products I've ever had. And like, no joke. Not just because you're sitting here and you're taking <laughs> and you're taking me a dinner. And <laughs> it, it didn't hurt. But yeah. 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 No. So what was it about? You know, going down the finishing path. You know, because obviously at MGP and you're trying to differentiate yourself. But you know, what about these particular barrels work with your product? I'll let you jump in and after I'll, I'll take a swing at it. And then once I chop <laughs> it up, well, I, I go back a little bit too. a lot of the, the Maryland distilleries were known for rectifying. Right. And, and even back then, whether they were putting different types of juices in it and things like that. And we certainly don't want to do that anymore, but it's kind of our spin on a little bit of the rectifiers that were here in, Mar in Maryland and Baltimore before that, you know, kind of imparted different flavors upon their whiskey, whether it was, they needed to try and cover up the, wasn't as aged as well as it should have been coming out of prohibition. That's certainly not what we were trying to do. Most of the whiskey before going into the barrels, at least four or five years old. But, um, we also just think that, you know, rye whiskey is incredibly versatile and, and there's just a great way to showcase it, whether it's in cocktails or barrel finishes and, and the different types of barrel finishes, whether it's a fortified wine or a beer barrel or, um, anything along those lines or a tequila barrel, whatever it may be. And it's just fun to learn. It's just really fun to learn, but they seem to complement each other quite well. And I always tell these guys, it's, it's a great thing we don't sell tomatoes. When, when in doubt, just put it back on the rack and wait longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if not, you know, usually time will help. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and you know, from our standpoint, you know, uh, we're very transparent about what we do. We we are very genuine in what we do. And, and, and hopefully you guys have seen that today as far as our transparency. We're not hiding anything. And so one of the ways we knew as as it takes a while to, to age whiskey and to get to that point, one way that we could kind of put our fingerprint on things and, and try to play a little bit with what we knew was already a really fantastic base whisk whiskey was to do these agings, to do these different finishing barrels. And, and we've built up an incredible sensory team and, and have a, a lot of great palettes that help us to, to decide and talk about, and, and we deal with different barrel brokers to see what's out in the market. And, and part of that is a very strategic plan. And, and there's a lot of sitting around talking, tasting sessions to say, we really think this would be fantastic. We know that like, these are the the flavors and the profile we get from our whiskey. And, and we all knew we really liked cognac and we, we like some of these other spirits that we've done this with. And, and we knew that, that, or we hoped it's always a, you know, you never know with certainty, but it's a, it's a hope and it's a calculated risk that we took. And, and a lot of times it's, it's, we've been very fortunate that it's paid off. Yeah. And they're very popular, right? I mean, they, I think you were saying they were all just Go, they go fast. Yes, they do. Yeah. And, and, and we do a lot of what we call distiller exclusives where we do one or two barrels of it. And, and sometimes those will lead to a larger, you know, national or regional release, but a lot of times it's one or two barrels and, and sold only out of the distillery during an event or something like that. And, and sometimes we've had those where they've, they've been gone in a day or, or even pre pre-ordered and gone before we've even put them on the shelves. So that's, that's been fun. And, and hopefully some of those will then come to fruition and see their way into a regional or or even a national release. Yeah, Brian actually had mentioned on the, the car ride over here, we actually we were going to the warehouse first, is that since you all are located on the port here with inside of Baltimore, that you have access 
pretty quickly if some barrels are coming over from Spain or wherever, you can just go pop your heads and pop the bungs out. And like, start, just leave them here. And start <laughs> sniffing through them and say, yeah, we'll, we'll pick that one, that one, that one. So that's a pretty unique aspect to it. Another question I have for you is since you had mentioned barrel brokers and there's a lot of them out there and brokers are coming from all the different kinds of angles. Do you have any kind of horror stories of, of messing with a barrel broker? You know, no names, but just kind of like, what's the story behind it? No, no real horror stories, but we've, we've definitely run into a, a lack of transparency with a lot of the barrel brokers out there or, or, you know, as you, as you go down and start that conversation, you're trying to find out well, what was in this barrel before, what was in the barrel before if that was in the barrel and, and there isn't that transparency and, and to your point, we are very fortunate that like being on the port and on the coast is we are able to, you know, not just take their word for it because that could be dangerous, but to be able to drive three hours and, and sniff. And we've, we've done definitely gone up there and been sold a bill of goods and, and Hey, these are fantastic. They're barrels that have held this for this long. And you get up there and, and they, they look way too new to be 30 year old barrels and you start smelling them. It's like, that smells kind of like vinegar. And, and like, <laughs> these are not rusted <laughs> no, at all. No, totally. And we've definitely, we've walked away from barrels, uh, because of that, but that's part of establishing our, ourselves as distillers and, and hoping to get our name out there so that when we deal with these brokers, they, they know we're for real and we, we want to go out there and we want to find the best barrels and, and we want to be as transparent with what we're putting in and, and taking out of them with our consumers as we can. So. Yeah, kind of like one of the final subjects that subjects I want to kind of hit on right now is, is kind of like bringing us all together because we're all kind of, or I should I say, we are partnered with you all on on Pursuit United, which we're super excited about because I'll, I'll let Ryan kind of tell a little bit of the story about how we kind of got hooked up with you because it was it was just all fortuitous. Oh gosh, yeah, I was telling Brian on the car ride here. This is where I wish I had the boom mic. You know, all day we've had so many great stories, fun time hanging out. But anyways. We had just wrapped up our Pursuit United blend with, uh, you know, Barstone Bourbon Company is a pivotal part of that. And so I thought, you know, why not try a rye whiskey? And Barstone Bourbon had a great two or three year old 95 five rye. But I wanted something from either New York or Maryland or something that paid homage to the to the rye whiskey. And Susie, who we work with, was like, why don't you give Sagamore a call, you know? And I was like, and she's like, have you ever tried their stuff? And I was like, no, but I had met this guy Tim in Dallas at a Dallas bourbon club event. And I have his email and number. I'm going to email him right now. So I emailed him and then he hooked me up with Brian. I think within a day or two, we're on a conference call. You know, I had this vision, you know, telling him a vision and he was excited about it. Send us some samples of their own distillate. I think he was a little hesitant. He was like, wait a minute, is this competing? Is this competing with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are these guys? Yeah. There was some convincing, you know, and some selling. I'm trying to give the fast version. (laughs) But uh, no, they sent us their their products and, uh, you know, they're 95.5 and they're, it's 52, 51, somewhere in there, low 50s. And uh, low 50s. That's what we're going to say from now on. You know, as soon as I opened the bottles and nosed them and he had sent, their cash strength, you know, the MGP stuff. And, uh, I had it next to them and immediately when I noticed it, I was like, holy cow, you know, there's something here and then tasted them. And their distillate is so clean. It's got this bright grapefruit notes and brown sugar and butter. And I was just like, immediately Kenny knows when I find something, I'm, I get excited about it. I'm like, I, I'm telling him his like, neck hair stand. Oh, I'm, not, I'm like, <laughs> this I get is, a phone call and I'm yeah. like, this Sagamore stuff's like, no joke. They are the real deal. And so we were, Super excited. You know, I'd let Brian know that we really enjoyed the product and we wanted to partner with them. And they took some convincing, but and now we got to negotiate how many barrels and what we can all have access to. But uh, we're so excited to, to offer Pursuit United Rye with Sagamore and both match bills being a, a key component in that blend. That is funny because we're really excited too. And thank you very much for those kind words. But 
I forgotten a little bit. I was a little hesitant at first. I'm like, <laughs> how does this work? Who are you? Yeah. Are you competing against us? Wait, I don't gonna, need you're going to take our product <laughs> and put it in a different bottle? Wait a yeah. minute. And then it was just like, I don't need more competition out there. It's pretty thick already. You know? It's like, and then, uh, and then we're uh, like, wait a minute, we're going to pay you to advertise yeah, your product. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're going to buy your whiskey and promote it for you. So, and, and, and they're like, okay, that makes sense. And I really kind of only came back with one, one thing. It was like, yeah, we're, we think we could do it in the spring, summer, whatever. It's like, wait a second. We won't have released our own yet. Let us give us a few months. We'll quickly push something out. And then, you can go. Yes. We wanted to be first, but we'll, we'll wait. <laughs> well, okay. We're yeah. okay with that. We're happy we're okay to oblige. No, but, we're, we're, uh, we're excited. And, uh, I, we think it's, we, many years of working with you guys ahead of us. So we're, we're super stoked on that. Yeah. Us too. And I'm, I'm excited just for everyone to get to try and, and taste your products and come here and visit. It's one of the more unique experiences we've been a part of. And one of the better days we've had, you know, being in the whiskey industry, it's, there's days you spend at places and you'll remember and today is one of those days that i will it's just been a great overall experience with everything it you can tell it's just been well thought out so much passion behind it and it's just i'm super excited for your all's future and especially in our future together yeah. yeah and especially if you're in the baltimore area i mean i think this is something that and if you're in dc area like come out and visit like Come and do yoga on Wednesdays in the waterfront or whatever day yes, it is. Cocktail I mean, yoga. Cocktail <laughs> yoga time. I mean, it, it really is. It's a, it's a great facility, great area. It's something that I think we kind of take for granted. It's it's just like, you know, in, in Louisville, you can't swing a dead cat with it in 10 distilleries. <laughs> and you you just kind of you're like, okay, watch out. There's tours just everywhere, blah, blah, blah. And it's like here, it's a, it's a little bit more... It's, it's on a harbor. It's unique. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so much. It's so much different, and it, it's not overrun with ten thousand people that are trying to get into the gift shop to get a bottle of something. Right? Grant, I'm sure you want that, but you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> one day, one day, one day. I'm just saying there is there is a more like relaxing feel to it, which I I truly enjoy too. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to that hospitality part of just again, we just want people to come back, always feel welcome. Just don't want them to be well. I've been there. I'm done. Um, it should be welcoming all the time and should be unique experiences going on all the time and a reason to come back because we, you know, especially in the last year, you can't really rely on tourism right now. And so being just part of Baltimore and the surrounding areas and, and offering some, some great experiences for the folks around us here that have been very, very supportive of us since day one. And, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without them. So, uh, it starts there in your backyard and, and then we'll, we'll come down to Kentucky one day. Sounds good. Looking forward Sounds to good. it. In the meantime, we'll make the quick flight here and pop in anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. And Brian and Ryan and Ryan, this is really going to be hard to put all these names together, but, <laughs> yeah. but Brian and Ryan, thank you again for coming on. If people want to know more about Sagamore, how they follow you, social media, and you two in general, if they have, if you have places where people can follow you all, let people know. Yeah. The main thing is sagamorespirit.com. Uh, if you want to just go there and sign up to become a whiskey thief, you know, they're the ones who find out about the special releases first, uh, or any unique events, things along those lines. And then of course, any social media would be at Sagamore Spirit, like Instagram and Facebook. And, and then I also have an Instagram, uh, Sagamore Whiskey Brian or Sagamore Brian. Sagmore Whiskey, Brian. <laughs> Sounds like you use it a lot. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not heavily followed. We're working on that. Yeah. I, I need to be better about promoting it. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I have an Instagram handle. It's uh, Smiles Davis Jr. And yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. So, so let's see. Panic plus, plus, yeah. a, plus a jazz guy yeah. too at the yeah. same time. Right. Is what it is. Right. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you guys once again for coming on. Uh, make sure you follow them 
you know, on all the handles, make sure you follow Bourbon Pursuit, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as TikTok. And as well as make sure if you're listening to this, make sure you're subscribed as well. But with that, cheers, everybody. And we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.